trip inside your head Spend the day there To hear the things you haven't said And see what you might see I wanna hear you when you call Do you feel anything at all? I wanna see your thoughts take shape And work right out Freedom has a scent Hello everyone, welcome again to another episode of 10 Minutes with the Master Enchilada Roller. What you were listening to there was a song by one of my favorite bands, U2, and it's uh, called Miracle Drug. And it's about, the, the, the song is about a student, uh, a fellow student of the band when they were graduating from high school uh, in Ireland, in Dublin, they, uh, there was a, a student that came into the school in a wheelchair. He was a quadriplegic. And uh, what had happened was he was born with, uh, oh, he was deprived of oxygen for a couple hours after he was born. And, and of course, was paraplegic. And his mom believed that he could understand what was going on around him. So there was uh, a drug that they were able to use that allowed him to move one muscle in his neck. And as a result, the mother uh, attached a, a basically like a pencil to his forehead to where he could actually type out stuff. And he was able to type out a book of poems. And uh, he it went on to be a bestseller, but it was a book of poems. And it was basically a breakthrough because of his the love for his mom or from his mom. And, of course, a medical breakthrough to allow him to do that. But uh, it's, it's a great story, uh, a great song with a, a real meaning behind it. But obviously, during this pandemic right now, and today is the, uh, the 9th of April, 2020. And so we, we could use a miracle drug to, to get this, uh, this thing behind us, this coronavirus pandemic behind us. Today I wanted to talk just a little bit about timing and how important timing is in business and share just a little story about Gringo's number two and how it came about. Shortly after the original Gringo's opened in 93, so toward the end of 94, I was already planning the next uh, Gringo's and, and I had already started working with an architect by the name of Davis Wilson. And uh, But prior to that, I had also looked at a couple of sites to open up um, a Gringo's and the second one uh, the second location was going to be in the old Peppers location there on Fairmont Parkway in Pasadena. And it was because Ernie was building a new restaurant down the road, a brand new restaurant, beautiful building that was modeled after the Houston's on Kirby. And so uh, when I learned that he was going to be relocating, I thought, hey, maybe I can get that space. Uh, it was 5,200 square feet. Uh, it was already an established restaurant. Of course, we would go in and do a Mexican food item. But uh, I got with the landlord and tried to negotiate a deal with him. But before we actually, before I submitted, submitted an offer, the, um, the landlord told me, well, get with Ernie and see what he's taking with him 
uh, or what and what he's leaving behind in the building. Maybe y'all can work out a deal for the you know tables, chairs, equipment, whatever. So I'm, I met with Ernie at the location. And we were walking through the dining room, and he was pointing out stuff that was staying and stuff that he was taking. And we walked through the kitchen, and he did the same there. And we finally got to the office, and I remember this. So we get to the office, and he's starting to point at like file cabinets and chairs and whatever else was in the office. And then when he got to the file cabinet on top of it, there was a money counter. And he, um, and I may have already shared the story on one of the previous podcasts, but anyway, he points to the money counter and just tells me. Uh, you may not need that. And so, uh, and of course I didn't at the time with the one restaurant and, you know, he was doing probably twice what we were doing in volume. And back then we did do more cash transactions than we do today. But uh, anyway, so uh, I just thought that was funny because, you know, he moved to this new restaurant. I was looking for my second, um, that restaurant, the new one that he built has since closed. And I believe he may have a small place there on, uh, Pasadena Boulevard and Beltway 8 and, and Pasadena. So anyway, but uh, that was the first location I had looked at possibly getting. And and I ended up even making another offer. Oh, oh the landlord didn't accept my offer. He, he received a, a higher offer from someone else, and it was probably Peppers because they're the ones that are there now even today. But the second spot that I had looked at was an old uh, Bonanza Steakhouse on Fuquay. Uh, kind of uh, a mile, uh, almost a mile west of uh, 45. And again, uh, they didn't accept my offer. Now, every time I would go in these places, I would make an offer that I, I was going to be able to live with. And I didn't want to get in a situation where my rent was just too high because I really didn't have an established brand. Gringo's was doing good, um, but it wasn't doing like what we're doing today. So that was the uh, the two places that I had looked at and considered um, opening up the second store. But the way that the second store came about, I was pumping gas at the intersection of Underwood and Spencer at a gas station called Angels. And uh, and it's not it's not even there today. And they just recently bulldozed it and built a brand new CVS uh, pharmacy there. But anyway, so I was there pumping gas and the gentleman who owned it, uh, Bruce Angel, uh, drove by. He saw me there pumping gas in my car and and he pulls up in his big giant Cadillac. I don't know what it, why that is, but it seems like older people all drive Cadillacs, big big Cadillacs. But anyway, he pulls up next to me, and he points across the street and says, Hey, Russell, you need to open up a Mexican restaurant there. Because he had bought the uh, the corner, the northeast corner of Spencer and Underwood. And the first track he sold to Walgreens. It was a, a 600,000, no, 60,000 square foot track that he sold for $10 a, a square foot. And so he said, uh, hey, Russell, you need to open up a, a restaurant there. So I, I said, well, I'll come see you. And I went to his office, and we worked out a deal. And I actually bought the land, uh, right, a little bit over an acre for, believe it or not, three bucks a foot, which is cheap. And so the whole transaction was like uh, not even over $100,000. To give you a comparison, <clears throat> that we just recently uh, purchased the new Katy property like $27 a square foot. So quite a, quite a bit of difference. So anyway, we, uh, we worked out the deal. We built a new restaurant. And uh, so timing, uh, being there at the gas station and, and the other do, two deals falling through uh, allowed this other one to open up. And, and I just think that uh, sometimes we, we get too hung up on the deal that we want to do very badly. And, and sometimes we'll throw money at it when we really shouldn't. Uh, there's a reason why you should go with your gut feeling on, on any kind of deal that you do. You know, know your number, know what you're comfortable with, and then move on. But don't don't 
don't fall in love with something uh, just because you can't let your 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 emotions take the better of you whenever you're trying to purchase something. So I'm I'm glad it worked out. The other two deals falling through. I mean, everything would have changed. I mean, a lot of things would have changed, obviously. But um, I think that we we found the spot for our second store that's obviously done very well. And even during this pandemic, we're doing extremely well because of uh, the the takeout business we're doing there. We the Laporte Gringos has always done a great uh, takeout business, um, but it's even doing it's doing even better now because of what we're going through. So anyway, that was the the first thing that I wanted to talk about as far as timing. But a, a few years ago, back in two thousand and four, when Landry's or Tillman had purchased uh, Grotto and La Griglia from Tony Vallone, I had gone to a um, a luncheon that he had thrown at Grotto's shortly after that transaction had closed, and and I knew that he was going to be at uh, he was going to be at a dinner the following day in in Austin at the Capitol with David Dewhurst. So I um, again I may have already told the story, but anyway, so I, I go to that uh, luncheon and 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 talk to Tillman he gives us a ride in his jet back from from uh, from Austin and wheels up to wheels down that evening when we left was like 28 minutes and I was like hooked I mean it was the most incredible feeling that I ever had as far as transportation is concerned the first time I rode in a private plane was actually a little Cessna that my brother took uh, me and my father to uh, Tyler Texas to go look at a or not look at but to go sign some uh, documents for the El Toro in Palestine uh, that they that uh, they opened back in the 80s, and I got sick. I mean, really, really sick um, flying over there. That I ended up throwing up in a cup. Here we are at 4,000 feet, and I was just sick. It was hot. It was miserable, and you couldn't get me in another small plane if you tried. So, uh, but riding on that Challenger 600 that Tillman owned from Austin to Houston was an incredible feeling. And then uh, what was really cool is once we landed, the door opened up. Tillman uh, gets out of his jet, walks ac- across just a few feet, hops in his uh, hops on his helicopter, and then rides back to the gallery area where his corporate offices are at. So anyway, um, since that time, since that first time I rode in Tillman's plane, I have chartered for a number of years. And in 2010 or 2011, we purchased a little 414 twin prop plane, which was uh, just we had it for like a couple years, but it was really a slow plane. And I always, you know, always wanted a jet. That was just like a goal of mine. I don't have any other hobbies. I um, I don't golf. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I mean, I just, um, I enjoy travel. So so after we sold that twin prop, I still chartered. Um, I continued to charter on charter planes out of a hobby or sugar land. But in 2016, I went ahead and made the, uh, um, the decision to purchase a jet. It was a Citation 3 uh, 20, 20, let's see, it was 1991 Citation 3 jet. It seats eight people. It travels the same speed as a commercial airline. And it's just, it's a nice plane. But uh, I was, you know, one of the things I like to know and understand are the numbers that that involve anything, whether it's a business, a car, a, a plane. Uh, and so uh, after after monitoring the numbers for three and a half years, I decided to go and sell it. So we, we uh, I had a gentleman that was interested in it a hobby and the only I gave him a really good deal on the plane and and that um, the only condition was that we had to close by January or by December 31st I was out of town that that evening or that day on the 31st of December and the, the broker who was handling the deal for us calls me to tell me that 
um, that there was something wrong with the plane in terms of, you know, the, on the pre-buy, the, pre, the pre-inspection, that they may want me to correct it. And I said, you know, I, I wish they had communicated it to, this to me earlier on because they already signed the contract. Everything was fine until the 11th hour when they said that there was something wrong with it. And I was very upset because I, I basically had told my broker, look, I'm not going to play this this game. Either they're interested in it or they're not. Uh, but I'm not going to I'm not going to discount it anymore. So um, they they understood where I stood and they ended up purchasing the plane and the funds were wired to me that same day. And um, and I was glad. So I got the plane behind me. I got the whole plane bug behind me in terms of owning one uh, going forward. I will only charter uh, unless unless we have restaurants in other markets. I, I don't have a need for a jet. So there is a fixed cost that is associated with owning a jet and it is substantial and uh basically um, what i pay to charter i would have to fly my plane at least once a month to uh, justify owning one and even then uh, you're still it's still going to cost you something out of pocket uh, over and above than what it would be if you just chartered the plane so uh, i sold the plane uh, like i said uh, december 31st of uh, 2019 and since then, of course, I've been able to save on the manage- monthly management fee, the monthly hangar fee, insurance, and all the other things that come along with just a plane sitting there. And timing could not have been better because once this coronavirus hit in March, uh, it changed everything. And even if I owned the plane today, I would have incurred all these monthly fixed expenses and basically with a plane nowhere to with nowhere to go i mean there's nowhere to go right now even if you uh, wanted to use your plane i mean you could go to vegas and the vegas is shut down go anywhere and everything is shut down so timing was perfect to get rid of that plane to be honest with you and it really helped uh, just improve our cash flow that much more so anyway uh, i just wanted to share those um those two stories because uh, I'm, I'm i know there are other people trying to sell their plane right now and and I receive emails even today about all these different jets that are available for sale, and I look at them, and and I don't look at them the same way. Um, it's it is definitely cheaper to rent it, and I will continue doing doing that. But one of the things I did enjoy while we did own the plane was we we uh, performed a couple of what we call missions um, that we would uh, help uh, veterans, different veterans um, for different reasons. We flew one veteran to Walter Reed Medical Center outside of Washington to, uh, to for a pre-op uh, examination. And he ended up having his arm amputated. And then we've also, um, we treated uh, some other uh, injured uh, veterans that submit to this, uh, this website, uh, Airlift Command. And basically it's, it's all these veterans who have been severely wounded uh, in, in Iraq or Afghanistan and they're missing limbs or they have traumatic brain injury or all kinds of things, issues with them. And they submit a request to travel to wherever. And, and one of them uh, we also sent to Salt Lake City to meet up with some of his comrades. We've, uh, we've sent some to go to funerals. And we've used our plane for different reasons. And that, that was the, the fun part of using what, 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 we, what I purchased the plane for. It's not to benefit me necessarily, which obviously I, it does. But it was also to benefit as many other people as I could with it and use it as, as a tool for, for good. And we did. And we'll hopefully be able to still charter. Even when uh, the, I think was it was the earthquake or the hurricane, the hurricane hit uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. We had actually sent our plane out there loaded with supplies. And, and we even got a lot of our vendors to help contribute 
to a fund that we we chartered a, a Gulfstream jet that was we just completely filled it up with medical supplies. I mean, it was full. You probably couldn't even move in the plane because it was so full. But it, the, the the beautiful part about that was, of course, when you know you send a plane one one way and you empty it, you have what they call an empty leg coming back the other way. But in in that case, when we chartered that Gulfstream, when the plane came back, it came back full of passengers that wanted to get out of Puerto Rico and they had no other way of getting out. So that was uh, another nice thing that was able to be done, um, uh, you know, because of my interest in, in jets and because of Tillman giving me that first ride back in 2004 and basically got me addicted to jets. But it's, it's, a, it's a healthy addiction if you just know where to draw the line. And, and, uh, but anyway, that's what I want to share with you today. Uh, the 10 Minutes with the Master Enchilada Roller, Russell Ibarra. I do want to thank Derek uh, uh, for putting everything together and getting it up on Anchor. And um, and I hope to um, have you another podcast here soon. Uh, be sure and share it with some friends if you enjoy these little tidbit stories. But uh, I do want to thank you again for allowing me uh, or giving me 16 minutes of your time in this case. Thank you very much, and you have a great day.